I think dating not only as a bisexual man, but as a as a person of color, um, as a guy who doesn't really fit in the masculine norms. Um, and you'd think it'd be easy in London and somehow it's the worst. It's the pits. <laughs> London dating is the pits. Hi, bi's and allies. Welcome back to another episode of Bisexual Behavior. I'm your host, Talia Cass. I've been so excited to share this episode with you all. It's been in the works for a little bit. Uh, actually, a couple weeks ago, I asked my listeners on Instagram what kind of topics that you want to hear. And I got a lot of messages, um, but the most prominent answer, and honestly, the first ones that I received were all how people want to hear more about bisexual men. And I 100% agree. This is something that I've been wanting to do more often is interview different bisexual men who, you know, are very well-versed in the topic. So I discovered this book called Bisexual Men Exist, and I decided to purchase it and started reading it, and I thought, oh my god, I have to get the writer on here. He'd be perfect to interview. So I reached out to the writer, Vinit Mehta. He is not only a writer, but he's a bi activist. He started the hashtag bi men exist, and I'm going to let you listen because we'll talk about it a lot more, but this is such a fun episode, not just because it's a great topic, but we had a lot of fun. Vinit is super funny. Like He had me laughing the whole time. I think you're all really going to enjoy it. Also, I just celebrated one year of recording the podcast, which is absolutely insane. I've been dreaming of having a podcast for years, and honestly, it's just made me grow so much as a person. So thank you so much for everyone, for your support, and here's to another year of bisexual behavior. Welcome, Vinit. It's so great to have you. Hi, so good to be here. You are our first international guest. Um, I don't know if you're aware, I'm American. Uh, I live in upstate yeah. New York. <laughs> um, I, I didn't guess by the flag in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like the human rights campaign logo, right? It is, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually recorded my closet, so I was like, I have to make it festive for the, the podcast somehow. So. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so you're in the UK. Yeah, I am. Great. So, um, Sabini, you are a an author, a published author. You are a bisexual activist and a software engineer, from what I saw online, which is pretty yes. cool. Cool. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So, we're going to talk a lot more about your book and a lot more about you personally. But I figured, you know, let's start with some light introductions so uh, the listeners know who we are. Um, you can follow my format. My name is Talia. My pronouns are she/her. Um, I'm a cis white bisexual woman. What about you? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Vineet Mehta. My pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm an Indian bisexual man born and raised in Southall in West London. Awesome. Okay, so the first question I just am dying to ask you is, what is your most bisexual behavior? Oh, you know what? I think it's the whole, like, I can't sit still kind of a thing. I mm. never sit normally. I always got to find the most awkward way to sit. Um, I love peace signs. I always do peace <laughs> signs. Um, and I do notice I do finger guns. I don't I don't actively like purposely do them, but I just kind of 
every now and then I'm like, yes. And I'm like, where did you come from? Like, I know, but, right? It just <laughs> happens naturally. Like, I'm just like, oh, wait, no, maybe I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but it's so funny because my most bisexual behavior is also sitting very strange. And that is like the joke in my office that I work in is like Talia always has this weird leg thing where there's like a leg up. I just I, I keep moving. I just can't get comfortable. I don't know if that has to do with like ADHD, but I think it, I think there's an overlap. I think there's an overlap, <laughs> honestly. For, for sure, definitely. <laughs> so, Vinny, I would love to talk about your uh, book, which is incredible. It's so well-researched. I feel like even if okay. you aren't uh, bisexual or identify as a, a man, um, I just think it's like a really informative, great read on the bisexual man experience. So it's called Bisexual Men Exist. So how did that come about? How did you start writing that? What was kind of your journey, so to speak? So, so for me, it kind of started off on a hashtag that I made online in 2019. And I made a hashtag, which is the same one as the title of the book, My Sexual Men Exist. And I made that in response to biphobia and biracia that I was seeing on Twitter, the, our favorite place. Um, and it was targeted very specifically towards bisexual men. It was kind of saying, oh, you don't exist. You're uh, just gay or you know, ruining your wife's life and that kind of stuff. And um, it was really difficult seeing that. And so often when I see this kind of stuff, I do what everyone on Twitter always does, just go, right, now we're going to fight. I'm going to read quote to you and we're going to talk about it and we're going to like put you on blast and all that, that kind of stuff. And I just didn't want to get into that. I really wanted to just have some some happiness, some like positive moment. So I was like, you know what, Let's let's not do this this time. How about why don't we all just share a picture of ourselves and shed some share some joy and uh, celebrate ourselves a little bit? And I thought it would really help everyone else feel a little better. And also anyone who was like me a few years ago uh, could see that and go, oh, it's fine. There's a lot of bisexual men. Like I can ignore all the awful stuff that people are saying because it's not true. And when I made that, when I did it again in 2020 um, for a the very similar reason it trended. Uh, Human Rights Campaign actually uh, tweeted it out, as well as Glad and Big News and so many other outlets. Um, there were loads of articles about it. And really, it was something that, as a bisexual man myself, I had struggled with accepting myself as a bisexual man and accepting my bisexuality. And I just thought that we needed to have the conversation. I think bisexuality doesn't often get to have a conversation about the issues that we face and uh bisexual men uh like often quite less a lot often the idea of bisexuality is sort of a middle class white woman and you don't really get conversations outside of that and so I really wanted to try and bring that to the forefront uh and try and bring that conversation uh to the limelight and talk about our experiences um, and the way that we are erased, is because I think the, the erasure in the bisexual community is so often quite gendered. And so it was trying to create that conversation of the, the erasure that we experience and the way that it specifically impacts bisexual men. Yeah. So something you mentioned that I think is really important is that, you know, it, bisexuality is always perceived into being a middle class bisexual woman. And I think bisexual women have a very different experience because they're seen as straight or sexualized, whereas bisexual men are seen as they're just gay, that they're yeah. not valid. And what do you think kind of goes into that 
perception that bisexual men are just actually gay when it's kind of a different look when it comes to bisexual women. Yeah, I think, so it's a concept that I talk about in my book called phallocentrism. Um, and it really kind of stems from this idea of patriarchy and, you know, the, the male-dominated environment. But it's it kind of gives a lot of power to the penis, like this mythical object, the penis. And when people are penetrated by, if you are attraction to, if you have experiences with this so-called penis, uh, it alters you, it changes you, it defines you. And you see this in a lot of different facets in society, not just with queerness. So you see, um, for example, the sort of purity culture and the idea that virginal status amongst women is put in such high regard is that idea of like when a woman is penetrated, she is changed, something is altered in her. You get all of those really crude ideas of like, oh, well, women who've had a lot of dicks in her, it's, you know, a lock with many keys. It's like less valuable. And so it all comes back to this idea of phallocentrism. And that what is what plays into the way bisexual people experience. I mean, firstly, bisexual non-binary people are completely erased from the conversation because we have, again, this idea of binaries. Uh, and, the, you know, the same way that we only see straight and gay as valid, we only see male and female as valid, um, which is a different concept, which we can talk about later. Um, but phallocentrism uh, impacts us here. And so it's, Bisexual women have sex with men. Uh, it's a very cis-normative. It's how you have sex with men, therefore you have sex with penises. And that alters you, that changes you, that defines your identity. So you're seen as straight. And bisexual men are, again, penetrated by penises, have attraction to penises, have had those experiences. And therefore they're seen as gay because it changes you. There's no way for you to come back from that after you've had that experience. So another thing that you mentioned in your book is it was a sh like a statistic that really shocked me is that I think it's 81% of women would not date a bisexual man, which is insane to me. And yeah. especially considering that a big portion of people identify as bisexual or maybe, you know, kind of fit within that spectrum in some way. So could you talk about what goes behind women deciding that they don't want to be with bisexual men? Yeah, I think it, it again comes back to this idea of, firstly, we have this this idea of the binaries. So you have, um, it's called monosexism. So it's it's the only giving legitimacy to gay and straight uh, monosexual identities. So we are only attracted to a single gender, uh, whilst erasing anything else that can exist in between or outside of that. Um, and so when it comes to that plus phallocentrism, it means that bisexual men are seen as gay. And so it's either these women see us as actually gay, they see us as closeted, they see us as eventually going to leave them for a man, they see us as going to cheat on them, they see us as potentially vectors of disease, which is a whole other top topic of conversation. Um, or if they don't necessarily see us as gay, they see us as less than. They see us as less than a man because we are having sex with penises. Uh, we are... There's an idea of phallocentrism robbing you of your masculinity. Uh, it, when you're penetrated, something is taken away from you. So you're seen as lesser. And even if they aren't necessarily a woman who's going, I need my man to be a man, uh, it's, it's sometimes subconscious. So even if they aren't consciously doing it, it's subconsciously going, oh, but they're not going to be able to be a man in the way that I need it. Um, it's, it's in the same way that gay men are often seen as feminine because we're seen as 
as having sex with men in the same way that gay men do, we're seen as feminine. And therefore, we're unable to provide that masculine energy that they may need or desire, even if it's not consciously. Yeah, it's um, interesting that, you know, phallocentrism, which you mentioned, it plays such a huge role out, like in terms of sexual identities and how um, women perceive men too. Um, but something that you talk a lot about in your book too is, you know, the AIDS epidemic and how yeah. that kind of changed the way people look at bisexual men too as like vectors of a disease. And I, I think that plays into a lot of women saying, you know, that they won't date bisexual men, even if that might not be the initial thought that they have for the reason being. And I bring this up because even when I came out, I remember I was talking talking to a relative about how I could only see myself dating like women or bisexual men in the future. And I remember my relative said, but they're a higher risk of STIs and AIDS yeah. and all this stuff. And this is a person who is a boomer and they kind they were alive during, you know, the, the peak of the epidemic. So um, could you talk a little bit about that history of AIDS and how that really impacted people's view on bisexual men? Yeah, I mean, so... Like, in terms of, firstly, the community as a whole, uh, the AIDS epidemic really put the stigma on, on queer men and queer people in general in terms of being a vector for disease, in terms of more likely to have STIs or, or HIV, that we're more risky with the way that we have sex, which is categorically not true. Mm -hmm. um, it, none of that's true. If anything, I know more gay people and queer people and bi people who are more likely to go and get tested regularly, more likely to um, be more mindful of safer sex and what you do in, in terms of having safer sex. I don't know any straight people who ever talk about going to the clinic. Not a single one. And if it is, it's more likely women than men. Like, like, I was just going to say, because I women or men that I've dated in the past, straight men, like they don't get tested as frequently as no. I would or any other women that I know that would. So it's really interesting that that's the case. Yeah. And then when you then talk about bisexual men specifically, um, during the 80s, there was a big moment, which doesn't get talked about enough, but there was a big moment in the 80s where bisexual people, uh, bisexual men in particular, were painted as a vector for disease. Uh, it gave birth to what is called the bisexual bridge theory, which is the idea that bisexual men are bridging the gap between the gay community and the straight community. Uh, AIDS, AIDS and HIV were seen as largely as a gay disease, um, and that's what a lot of the, the wider society labelled it as, and therefore they, we started being called dirty and being called infectious and all of this stuff. And so they said, that's a gay disease that doesn't affect us. We're good, we're pure, we're wholesome. It comes into the purity culture and Christianity. It's all mixed in there. Um, and so when it came to uh, straight people getting infected, bisexual men were the people who were blamed. Not the straight people who weren't ever getting tested. Not the straight <laughs> people who don't uh, do safer sex. It's, uh, it was us. And... There was a big headline um, at the bottom of the first page of the New York Times that was AIDS Spectre for Women, the Bisexual Man. And that's really what started this. There were articles in, in Cosmo and in Newsweek and so many other outlets that painted bisexual men as the reason why straight women and even their unborn babies, which literally has that in the content, is the wow. reason why they're getting HIV. We were basically labeled as baby killers. Oh my God. <laughs> so, which is crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so you look at this and you go, is it any wonder that bisexual men are nervous about coming out, that we're misunderstood, like that women won't date us because we're seen as this, this problem. We're seen as this vector disease. We're seen as something that's going to cause the straight community to be infected. And there's articles even as recently as 2014 saying that we're the reason why women are getting HIV. So it's not something that's gone away. Wow, even in 2014, that's crazy yeah. to hear that that was a headline. Yeah, but, from, the, from the New York Post. And, oh, wow. <laughs> but it, and it, speaking of which, it's like, so beforehand, men were not, they could not be bisexual. Bisexuality wasn't seen as a thing until they could blame something on bisexual yeah. men and suddenly they do exist. Yeah. Um, and then, so something you talk also about in your book, I feel like I'm bringing up your book a lot and I want <laughs> everyone to read it. There's so much more that you talk about outside of what we're talking about here today, but um, you mentioned a lot about media representation and how the views of bisexual men, it's like confusing. It's hard to tell that they're actually bisexual. There's a lot of missed opportunities of how you can kind of talk about fluid sexuality in TV. And um, I'm trying to think of a specific example you talk about, like you talk about Buffy the the Vampire Slayer um, and how she goes, instead of saying that she's bisexual, she goes as full gay, even though she had past experiences with men. Um, How do you think that like contributes to erasure of bisexuality? And how do you think that can be very harmful to the community? Sorry, that was a loaded question. No, (laughs) I think think it's really difficult. I think, you know, my experience when I was growing up is I didn't see anything on bisexuality. Mm And I think that that's a really common experience. Everyone that I spoke to for my book said a similar thing, that they just weren't even aware that it was a thing right. it could be. They, wasn't even, they weren't aware it was an option. And it's because of the complete lack of representation and education. If you can't see yourself, mm-hmm. how do you know it's a thing that you can be? It wasn't even in my vocabulary. Like, I, this wasn't a word I knew. So how could I be it? And where are you going to learn that from if no one's ever teaching it to you? And so I think that that is the harm that has been done and in some ways still continues to be done. I think there's a lot that you can talk about when it comes to sort of negative stereotypes. And I think that you can debate them to the end of the earth of like, well, some people see them as negative. Some people see them as like reclaiming. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to see it. But I think the biggest problem in media representation for bisexual people is that so often it doesn't just it just doesn't exist. It just isn't there. People often ask me, you know, oh, what is your favorite representation of bisexual men? And I'm like, can I think of more than like one, maybe? And even when you do start thinking of them, you go, well, are they ever named as bisexual? Uh, probably not. Um, or, or pansexual, or M-sexual, any identity. There's right. so few that are named. And when it comes to stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and even, you know, there was 90210, which I mentioned as well in my book, is back then it, it was often like reinforcing this binary of someone, once you have had this queer experience, it is you awakening to your actual identity, which is lesbian or gay. And you then finally shared all of the old stuff and you become that identity. And there's never any, like, even if these people did end up as lesbian or gay, there's never a real exploration in maybe I'm this thing instead. Even if that's not where they ended up, that's cool. But when there was a whole episode where Willow was having a moment where her ex-boyfriend had come back and she still had really strong feelings for him. And they kind of 
left that really open-ended of like, oh, I I do still love you and I will always love you, but I also love her and I want to see where I go with her and I want to be with her. And that could have still been a, maybe I'm bisexual moment, but it was never named. And then eventually it's just, I only like women. And they kind of tried to get reinforcing that. And um, ultimately that's experience that a lot of people do have. I don't want to take away from that. I don't want to say, well, that's the only thing that exists. Uh, like, like it, it must be bisexual. It can't ever be anything else. But I think that that was so often done and there was never any exploration of anything else. That was the problem. And even today we get people who they're clearly bisexual, but they're not named. And when they're not named, you then get that projection of that experience again of, well, they were in a relationship with them. She was in a relationship with a man. Now she's in a relationship with a woman. Clearly she's now a lesbian and she's realized she's a lesbian because they never name it. They never feel the need to name it. And they go, well, why is it important? I'm like, well, everyone's calling her a lesbian now. Oh, is it bi? No one knows. And we can project our own feelings onto it as well. We can go, well, I think she's bi because this, this, this. But it leaves us out in the cold because eventually people are going to mislabel her and they're going to say it's this. And and it's, it's, it just leaves us out in the cold. Yeah, that's why using the actual label can be really important, whether that's bisexual, pansexual or queer. And um, even like so another example you mentioned was The Good Place. And I I love The Good Place. It's one of my favorite sitcoms. And I love that they mention Eleanor is bisexual, which is great that they mention that. But they don't show her like exploring her bisexuality outside of talking about sex. I've noticed Like it's usually just talking about how someone's attractive. There's no... um, kind of romance discussion so it's kind of hard to pinpoint what bisexuality meant to her and I I I feel like this I also don't think she ever says that that's my label I think the only time I ever see her say it is uh she says it to Chidi at one point and goes like people can be bisexual like what's the problem but never says Mm -hmm. that's what she is and so true I think so often people will just see her like finding another woman hot which is what you're Mm -hmm. saying it's just that whole sexual attraction and go, well, loads of women find other women hot. That's just normal. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's like, okay, cool. So that's not bisexual representation, really. Yeah. And on the other end of the spectrum, so saying it can be confusing for bisexual people seeing someone go from dating the opposite gender to dating the same sex and having this realization, well, I'm actually gay. I'm actually a lesbian. And I think it can be confusing for bi people watching that because they think that that's what their journey has to look like. I know for me, specifically when I came out as bisexual, there were two years where I, I was just forcing myself to just identify as a lesbian and feel like, okay, this makes so much sense. Like, this is why this relationship didn't work out when in reality you can just be bisexual and that's what it is and it's fine like there it doesn't have to be deeper than that so i think it can be very confusing and so seeing like more celebrities using the term bisexual i think is really important specifically um i'm thinking of little Nas x who has been very openly gay for a very long time and then had this tweet that said would y'all for real be mad if i came out as bisexual yeah which is like the weirdest way to say that you're bisexual because it's like implying that people would be mad which you don't see him saying that about coming out as gay um i think you actually wrote an article about it yeah i did i did because i i saw that and i was like he's so real for that because Mm -hmm. 
honestly, I mean, like, I'm, people were mad when he came out as gay because they, like, a lot of the, the black community, and I know that he had a backlash from, from all of that, but it's the fact that he's, he's come out as gay and yet is still scared to come out in a different way, where it's, mm-hmm. like, fundamentally what changes? And yeah. there's such an interesting conversation to be had there of the fact that even though he's openly out and openly queer, there's still a stigma of using the word bi, specifically mm-hmm. that word, because he's has no problem saying gay. He has no problem, like, talking about having sex with Satan and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. He has no problem <laughs> saying so any true. of this. But yet there's a stigma about bi to the point where he's going, would you be mad? Would, mm-hmm. would, I, would I have backlash? And Like... I will give Satan a lap dance, but being yeah. by, I'm a little nervous about. Right. <laughs> like and, there's, and there's so much to be said there. Of mm-hmm. The reason why he's so scared is that he knows that a lot of people are going to think that he's going back in the closet. A lot of mm-hmm. people think he's going to be a traitor to the community, that he's given up, that he uh, was queer baiting, which is a word people need to stop using because they don't oh. know how to use it. Yeah. They're going to... I, I can see the conversations and so could he. And I think it's a really common experience for bisexual people to be very acutely aware of how everyone will see them if they use that term. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so often the reason why people don't. They just, yeah. they don't want to use it because they know, even if that's what they are, they know how everyone else is going to see them. I even see that kind of negativity toward the word bisexual when people choose to go by queer or pansexual and not saying that those are not, you know, valid identities because of course they are. But I think that people who choose those terms often do so because they feel like bisexual is such a negative connotation, especially when it comes to, oh, well, it's a binary term, you know, things like that where there's this misunderstanding and it's like all of these negative things are put specifically toward bisexuality but not those other sexualities which is interesting because so sometimes it comes from those people not knowing what bisexual is or thinking Mm -hmm. it's binary and for some people it's i don't think bisexual is a binary but i'm really really tired of having to constantly tell people it's not a binary so i would rather just use a different word because i'm sick of it yeah which is no shame i get that yeah Yeah. and (laughs) And then for some people, it's just this word feels better to me. And it's like, yeah. well, that's, that's totally valid. Very valid. Um, and it's really it's really difficult because then you also get the other backlash where some people are like, well, I'm probably more bi- pansexual, but I use mm-hmm. bisexual because no one knows what pansexual is. Mm-hmm. And I, I, some people, I say pansexual and they go, oh, you're, you're attracted to kitchen appliances. And it's <laughs> oh, just, my God. And it's like, have you considered not talking instead? Like, <laughs> So I just want to kind of circle back. And t- so we talked a lot about your book and how in general yeah. in society, how bisexual men are kind of looked down upon. I yeah. kind of want to circle back and talk about your experience specifically. Um, and I know that you've had some struggles. You talk about this in your book and different articles about kind of accepting it to yourself. So if you're comfortable, would you like to share yeah. kind of your own journey and what that looked like? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, when I first started having attraction to more than one gender, I didn't even know the word existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I started experiencing attraction when I was 10 or 11, and I was like, oh, what's this? What does this mean? Um, and like you you um, pointed out, it's when you keep seeing this representation in media, you think that needs to be your story. And so I thought my story was I'm gay and I am just need to accept that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then anytime I had an attraction to a woman, I was like, well, then what does that mean? I don't, I have a crush on her, so yeah. I don't understand. And ultimately I just kept myself in the closet because I knew mm-hmm. how gay people were, what, what people's views were on gay people and homosexuality. So I was just like, well, I will just, I will just keep myself in the closet. No one believed it because the way masculinity is constructed and the way I didn't fit into that meant people thought I was gay anyway. But if I said, actually, yeah, I am, the hardship would have been worse. So I kept it, I kept it down. Mm-hmm. I kept it to one side. Um, and it wasn't until I was 17 that I first started having attraction to more than, uh, I, I knew the word uh, for attraction to more than one gender. Right. Um, and actually it wasn't bisexual I first learned, it was bi-curious. And it was oh, because of course. Someone, yeah, and it was because someone in my school came out as bi-curious. They were like, well, I'm attracted to men. Uh, I was a woman and she was like, I'm attracted to men. But I also am curious about women and maybe want to explore that and so, so, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And everyone thought it was a joke. Everyone laughed. And everyone was like, that's ridiculous. That's not a thing. You're a lesbian. Just say you're a lesbian. It's fine. Just be a lesbian. It wasn't fine. They would have been massively homophobic towards her. Right. But they were like, it's fine. Just come out as a lesbian. If you're a lesbian, <laughs> just say it. Um, and so that conversation um, meant that even though I'd learned the word, I couldn't accept that as a term I could be because mm-hmm. everyone said it's not real, right? So that's not a term. And it it made it really difficult. And everything was reinforcing the fact that I couldn't be that term. Uh, 90210, which is the one I mentioned earlier, had this similar storyline to, to Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where someone had been straight the whole time until he had a sex, sex with a man and then suddenly oh, I'm, I'm gay then. And uh, then they reveal that actually he'd been hiding it the whole time and he was doing all this stuff with women to like put his sexuality to one side. And um, that became really difficult to watch because I was watching it with someone um, who I was roommates with who was saying, oh, yeah, he's gay. Obviously he's gay. But he hadn't revealed that yet. Um, he had, just had sex with a man and it's like, well, he's gay then. And I kind of tested the like rocked the bird a little bit and tested the waters and was like, what if he's bi? He's like, no, can't be. He's had sex with a man. You can't come back from that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I was I was constantly having this reinforcement that it was one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't seeing bisexual people. No one was coming out as bisexual. I, they weren't in my life. They weren't in the media. They weren't being, weren't being taught about them. And so I just didn't see that as something I could be. And it really wasn't until I was 24 that they finally came out. And that was because I, I couldn't deny that attraction anymore. I found mm. ways to deny it up until that point. I was like, well, I don't want to have sex with a man. So, you know, and I'm not romantically interested in them. So just because I'm I'm sexually turned on by them, that doesn't mean I want to have sex with them. I couldn't imagine dating one. I couldn't imagine holding hands or kissing them. So Classic really, last words. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. Um, and so, and it wasn't until I then had a crush on a guy, and that was my first crush on a guy, um, like upper crush, that I was like, okay, this means something. Uh, and I was, I just had to come out. And um, I don't know why I just decided bisexual rather than gay, because up until that point, I thought it was just gay, but I it, it was the only term that made sense. I, I just had so many crushes on women that I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try this word because I just don't understand how it could be gay. It just wouldn't make sense to me. 
And so I did. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And how do you feel now about identifying as bisexual? Good. I mean, like, it's still, I think it's still difficult. Um, I, I really thought that I came out and then it's like, oh, cool. Now everything's just resolved. And I don't think those feelings of self-doubt ever actually go away, which is a really difficult thing to contend with. Um, and it's something that you hear a lot in the community of like, actually, those feelings just don't disappear, which is hard. It's rough. You, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm in a relationship with a man and I'm kind of sometimes go, is my identity even a thing anymore? Does it mean anything anymore? Does anyone ever see me as this anymore? What if I'm actually not attracted to women anymore because I am now in a relationship with a man and I'm happy and I'm never gonna do anything with a woman or you know I'm monogamous at the moment who knows mm-hmm. um, and so I'm just like well does this mean anything then and that's really difficult to contend with as well. Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned that. Um, one of my past interviews, he mentioned this idea of grief, of when you're bisexual, no matter what type of relationship you are in, there's still grieving some part of your identity, right? So if you're in a heterosexual relationship, you're grieving that queer side of you, or mm. you know, if you're in a same-sex relationship, you're, you're grieving, you know, the potential relationship with an opposite sex. And I don't think everyone experiences that, but I think mm. depending on your situation, there is some kind of, you know, kind of battling your head whether or not you're queer enough or if you're still bi you know there's still always going to be that feeling so I I thought it was interesting you mentioned that because I think that's always been my biggest struggle with my bisexuality even having this podcast every day I'm like am I a fraud which is I realize it's insane (laughs) and you even mentioning this when you are an author of a book about bisexuality it's it's such a common bisexual experience and even though we all have very different experiences at the end of the day um I feel like a lot of bisexual that's like the common theme of just like feeling like am I only valid if I'm single and sleeping with all different types of genders like what makes bisexuality valid so um but I appreciate you sharing your your story there thank you yeah Yeah, I think it is it is really common I don't I I've Mm -hmm. not met a single person who doesn't deal with it Um, I'm sure there are people who are like, no, I'm I'm great. Um, uh, I'm sure if you speak to a polyamorous bi person, I'll be like, no, I'm I'm cool, I'm good. Um, (laughs) So maybe that's that's the trick. But but I don't know. I think it. I think it is really it is really difficult. Um, It's it's one of those things where you know, for all my life, I've been told I'm gay and I've been told I should be gay, and Mm -hmm. now I'm in a relationship with a man, and it's like, was all of this for nothing? Should I have just been gay and then I would have just been fine I guess um yeah I don't know it's it's difficult it's difficult to think yeah. about sometimes how do you think um being bisexual has affected your dating life I mean now you have a monogamous partner which, it, which yeah. is incredible but what was it like kind of before you landed in that situation uh I hated it oh, no. <laughs> I hated I hated dating um and I I honestly gave up just before I met my partner. So it's really weird that it then came about because I, I was like, no, I'm done with dating. I put on a really long, dramatic post on social media that everyone does. Uh, again, take the passwords. Uh, <laughs> of course, I'm, yes. <laughs> I'm like, done with dating. I never want to date again um, because the apps just felt insane. Like, mm-hmm. I think dating not only as a bisexual man, but as a, as a person of color, um, as a guy who doesn't really fit in the masculine norms. Um, and you'd think it'd be easy in London and somehow it's the worst. It's the pits. <laughs> London dating is the pits. 
um i when i went to new york and i and i found the grid just like pop in i was like where is this energy in london um i I, found, i found it really difficult i you know prior to even coming out i thought it was really difficult because even when i was like people go well you're attracted to women you could still date women most women thought i was gay um and even when i was seen with a woman um where people would assume we were dating they thought it was ridiculous that she would date me even if i was we weren't even dating i was just with a woman who was a friend and people would go oh no don't date him like i'll come i could do better like i could be better for you because they just they saw me as a sort of emasculated version of a man they saw me as lesser they saw me as as someone who couldn't provide um and so even when i was with, pictured with a woman who people assumed i was dating people would mock me people would think i was lesser people wouldn't see me we would still see me as gay and so i had a really difficult time trying to even date women when i was in the closet um because no one would see me as a, an option um it made worse by race because like i'm expected to be a certain way and people already don't want to date indian men it's a really difficult thing to deal with and when i entered the community i experienced the same thing um some guys people would think that i'm i'm closeted some people think i haven't come out all the way um i remember one time i i put bisexual actually in my my bio on grinder and one guy was like oh yeah you know we don't have to like do anything if you don't want to and i was like what do you mean he's like well you know you said bisexual i thought you might not want to have sex or you know you might not be and i was like do you do you know what bisexual means i'm really confused <laughs> where this comes from um oh my gosh <laughs> and so yeah it was a thing that i constantly had to contend with and then when you play race into it and mm. and my my femininity into it um it became a lot more difficult it was mm. everyone wanting this i this you know muscled white guy um and it was something i just didn't fit into and so me putting the bisexuality into it as well just yeah it just made it a really heavy concoction of like you're going to die alone <laughs> like that is it yeah <laughs> you know something i've been learning since i came out is that queer people are not it's not as an inclusive space as you would assume i yeah. i feel like there's a lot of whitewashing when it comes to pride month to just queer spaces in general yeah. and like dating and it's i've been learning a lot about that also i feel like people need to change their mindset on bisexual men because I see it as bisexual men are like they're more in touch with themselves, their emotions and their needs and yeah. you know might have more experience being with different genders so they might have a different a broader understanding in relationships and I feel like yeah. people don't like really put that together but I'll yeah. always say is bisexual people are superior so <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's 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 really difficult when we talk about the queer community a lot of people think that somehow where we're all better than mm-hmm. the the larger society we're all better than the cishet people outside of us and it's just categorically not true because mm-hmm. ultimately the queer community is nothing if not a microcosm of the wider society and right. a lot of the stuff that we get taught is something that is ingrained that we haven't unlearned unless we unlearn it unless we do that work and i don't think a lot of people do a lot of people go I have found my space. I am now safe and that is it. And at what point is the community even a community anymore? Because for me, 
a community is about looking after one another. Yeah. And I don't know if I can positively say that that is the case. I think there are definitely parts of the community who really care and make sure that the whole community is cared for. But I don't think enough people are doing that work. Um, not Not people that you meet on a day-to-day basis in the community. And I think that that is a, that is a problem. And so you do get racism and uh, bottom shaming and uh, biphobia and transphobia. All of that still exists in, the, in our community. You get stuff like uh, get the L out, um, which is trying to take the L out of LGBT because they think that the trans people have taken over. You get people using queer and then only talking about gay people. I've seen it so often where people are like, blah, 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 and they're talking about queer and blah. And the only people that they've got on board that are involved in the conversation that they talk about in their books or their pieces of media are gay people. And that's not what queer means. And I think there's a real problem um, there that not a lot lot of people are talking about. And I think you're right when it comes to bisexuality. um, I I think there's, there's there's a fine line to play there because... You also don't want to lean into this like fetishistic um, idea that is coming right. up these days yep. of like bisexual men are, are better because ultimately we're all just humans. Yeah. Um, but I think there is something to say about the fact that bisexual people are more likely to put in the work than say straight people. Um, where I'm more likely to have done that self-analysis because uh, to come out means doing self-analysis on who you are, on what you are, on what you like. Um, bisexual men can be flawed as well. We're not, there's no such thing as like a bisexual man who's not a predator or bisexual man who's, who's hasn't done like harassed a woman or, you know, so on and so forth. That all exists. Um, but I think there is something to be said about the fact that we are more likely to have done a self-analysis on ourselves and more likely to know ourselves. And that is more likely to produce a better environment to date in because, they're going to be that more open and more communicative with a partner. Absolutely. And so beautifully said. And that's not to say that there aren't straight men out there who can be open and communicative in a relationship. There absolutely are. But I find that, you know, at least maybe this is just my perspective, but I find that other bisexual people having that understanding is just so nice. Even if, you know, you're in a relationship with a cis straight person, it's just there's a different kind of intimacy and communication and just acceptance of, yes. you know, the LGBT community, which is really nice. But yeah. I definitely said. think if I was still single, I don't think I could ever date a cis alohet woman. I don't, I don't, mm. I don't envision that for myself. Uh, <laughs> I just think that that comes with a lot of heteronormativity, a lot of expectation mm. from me right. uh, that I just don't enjoy. So mm-hmm. I just wouldn't do it. So it just wouldn't work, really. Definitely. Um, I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit because um, we're getting a little bit closer on time. But question for you, are do you yeah. ever use Reddit? I use Reddit very minimally. Okay. But I would love, I, I like uh, the posts on like, um, 
oh, what is that? Uh, I am the asshole and stuff like that. <laughs> that is the only time I like engage with Reddit because I love that kind of crap. I like, love those, especially when um you see the post where somebody is clearly the asshole and then they respond to the comments. They're like, oh God, I'm really, I've got to do some deep thinking. And I'm like, we love someone who can like have inner monologues and actually think about oh, the bad shit that I they're doing. I haven't ever seen the self-growth ones. I really love the they're ones where, where it's just like, <laughs> We're just like, am I the arsehole? Who is the worst person ever to exist? Am I the arsehole? And it's like, I wonder if you're the arsehole. I wonder. But those are really addicting. Um, But I bring it up because um, I have a new segment. It's called Found on Reddit. And basically, I go through the bisexual subreddit because... um, Reddit was a huge part of my coming out journey when I was Mm. still trying to figure out my bisexuality. That was like essentially my community because I didn't have a lot of bisexual people around me. And I started to notice that I was seeing a lot of the same questions and I thought like, let's just talk about it on the podcast. So I found one uh, that I wanted to talk about today. Um, It's actually from a parent, um, which I haven't seen a lot on this, uh, this thread before. So Let's dive into it. Uh, so it's called, Our Daughter Came Out as Bisexual. What else can we do to support her without being weird about it? That's so cute. <laughs> it's so, so cute. cute. It, gets, it gets even cuter, trust me. This is, normally the ones I read are pretty negative, so this is like yeah. really a nice one to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since our kids have been old enough to understand we've talked about LGBTQ issues and issues of justice, my wife and I have LGBTQ friends, our babysitters trans, and when we talk to our kids, we talk about if you ever get married and whether you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, our focus is whether that person treats you well. Like kudos to this family. Um, we are at Pride, yeah, right? <laughs> we are at Pride on Friday, and after that, our almost thirteen-year-old let us know that she's bisexual. We talked to her and told her that we love her and that we're proud of her. And then I said, "It seems like you don't think this is a big deal, is that right?" And she laughed and nodded, which is great. Shout out to Gen Z slash Alpha for real. That's to think that's not a big deal because yeah. that for me that was a huge deal. So. If that's the case, we probably don't know to adorn our house with bisexual pride flags and go crazy. She got one at pride. Um, So since she truly thinks it isn't that big of a deal, what can we do to continue to support her, but in a chill way? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it kind of sounds like they're doing everything right. So they're... It's yeah. wild. It's wild to me that they're like, we're doing everything. What more can we do? And I'm like, can you please be my parents? Maybe that would help. Like, <laughs> Right? Oh, my gosh. But, like, seriously, they're checking off all of, like, everything. So it's they're going to Pride. They're using inclusive language. They're surrounding their family around LGBTQ people. They're being sensitive and asking the community how they can support their bisexual child. Like, I just... They're, they're, I don't know what else they could do. Uh, I yeah. feel like this is the, the best way to support in a chill way, for sure. I I honestly think it's just always being available to have a conversation, which it kind of sounds like they mm. already are. Yeah. Um, I think inclusive language is great. So, like, even even being, like, more inclusive, like, saying boyfriend and girlfriend, say partner. Yes. Uh, say, like, are you dating anyone? Or, like, oh, it's not being, like, is there a cute boy you like? Like, is there a cute person you like? Yes. You know? I think so often people then go back to those binaries and it's like, no, but they could be a non-binary person. So like, Mm -hmm. let's open it up. Um, And I think just always being open to a conversation about the struggles that they're dealing with. Um, I think educating themselves on the struggles that bisexual people face will go a long way in terms of being available for those conversations. 
Um, and I think that that's a really good way to do it in a chill way where you're not like being intrusive or asking them a bunch of questions, mm-hmm. but all you're doing is like educating yourself so that you are capable should the moment arise to help them. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, uh, I, I, it doesn't sound like they're going to be missing that beat because it sounds like they've got this all sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's the beat that a lot of people miss when they talk about acceptance is they go, well, I will accept you because like whatever you do, it's okay. But it's like, right, but is my trauma okay? Is mm-hmm. my mental health issues okay? If I'm acting out because of the stuff that I've had to deal with, is that okay? And so often people don't get that part. Um, it's right. something that I dealt with with my family where like my brother and sister, they were like, oh, you know, we're always accepting, blah, blah, blah. But yet didn't understand why I had so much so much of an issue with my relationship with my dad. And they were like, well, you, he's treated you well he he put a roof over your head and fed you and I'm like okay so you did the basics as a parent right you um, chose to have children so that's what you have to provide that's part yeah, of it like, well, done, well done uh did yeah. you want to go star for that but didn't understand that there was emotional trauma there didn't You're understand right. that there was baggage there and so when I would act out to my dad when I would get frustrated with him they'll go what's your problem why do you treat him like that and I'll go he hasn't treated me well emotionally there's a lot of damage there because he was the one who told me to grow up and stop being a girl. He was the one who constantly made comments about homo- like homophobic comments and like other stuff like that, which made me feel like I couldn't be myself. And ultimately that has harmed me. Um, and so it's, it's remembering that there's going to be issues that they're going to have to deal with and they're more likely to have to deal with issues around mental health or sexual health um and really being mindful like especially like a bisexual woman they're gonna be fetishized mm-hmm. uh they're gonna have to deal with sexual violence it's being aware of of what you have to do in those situations and really helping them with their trauma with their emotional baggage um and accepting that because i think a lot of time people accept their identity but not accept all the stuff that could come out of the issues they deal with because of their identity, the biphobia and biracia, and how that leads to mental health and sexual health issues. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So what you're, you're telling me is that they should read your book, of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Read my book. <laughs> so speaking of which, how can people purchase your book? Um, so I always say if you have a local queer bookshop, they're more, more than likely to stock it, I would hope. Mm-hmm. If not, get them to order it in because I always try and get people to support their local queer bookshop. If that's not available to you, um, I recommend bookshop.org because that money then goes to um, local bookshops and independent bookshops as well. Um, otherwise, you can find it in all the big bookshops that you know in potentially love uh, like Mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble or Amazon um, it should be available there too and you can get it online or or in shop in store and um, where can people find you and support you so I have a very professional handle it's called Nintendo Mad 888 Uh, (laughs) love it (laughs) it's very classy Um, and uh, if you want to follow me you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram I'm more active on Twitter, but if you follow me on Instagram, I will. you can also interact with me there. My DMs are always open, so if you want to have a chat, I will hopefully see your message. Sometimes mm-hmm. it gets bitted under the like, requests, but I will oh, yeah. find it. Um, so, yeah, you can reach me there. Um, I have a website as well, so you can just, like, if you Google my name, honestly, 
it's, it makes me sound like so snobby when I say it, but like no one has this name, so that's why. Um, if you Google my name, you can find my website, you can find my Medium blog, um, so you can find other ways to interact with me too. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to share with the listeners before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. Just uh, happy Pride Month, I guess. Happy Pride Month. Oh, thank you so much for joining. This has been so nice talking to you. I love your book. I really want everyone to, to read it. No matter what identity you have, I just feel like it's very educational. Like the, the fact that you incorporated individual stories and did like your own in-depth research, I just felt like it was probably the most well-written book I've read about bisexuality. So kudos thank to you. you. Thank and you it was so, so lovely to meet you. Of so course, of course. Yes. Um, well, thank you again. Thank you. Hey listeners, you know I'm obsessed with finding all the best queer content out there. Well, I discovered another podcast I think you will all enjoy, and it's called Misfit Media. Every Sunday, the host Delta shares personal experiences with topics like queerness, disability, fatness, and more in bingeable, bite-sized episodes. If you're looking for content that covers everything from sexuality and gender to mental health and intersectionalities, then this podcast should absolutely be added to your library. Pause this episode right now so you can subscribe to Misfit Media on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. I could honestly talk to Benny all day. That was such a fun recording. Um, if you really want to learn more, I really, really recommend you buy the book Bisexual Men Exist. It's such a really like informative read. I feel like a lot of people will read this and feel seen. So, so if you haven't yet, make sure to buy it. Also this month, I've been getting a lot of um, feedback from listeners, specifically listeners who want to be on the podcast. I know that I've had a lot of listeners on the podcast in the past, um, and I'm thinking of a way to incorporate more listener interviews in a meaningful way, but will also still, you know, continuing interviews with different people that I reach out to. So stay tuned. I'm going to have an announcement of what my plan is for having listener interviews because I think it's a really important part of bisexual behavior. And as you know, my whole big goal is just sharing other queer voices out there. And I think it's really important to keep doing that. So uh, stay tuned for an announcement. I'm really excited to share kind of my next plans with you. But in the meantime, you can support the podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. You can also follow Bisexual Behavior on Instagram, um, and you can follow me. Uh, my Instagram handle is at talia.tatiana. I'm also on TikTok. I think it's the same handle. Uh, I should probably know that. Uh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you are really interested in being on the podcast or you want to share your story, just email me at bisexualbehaviorpod at gmail.com. Again, I promise I'm going to be getting back to everyone soon. I do have an update that's going to be coming um, with big plans for the podcast, so I'm really excited to share that with you all. But thank you again for continuing to listen to the podcast and supporting. We appreciate it. But until then, we'll see you next month. Okay, bye!